And welcome back to Cresta in the Afternoon. I am Gary Machuda sitting in for El Cresta. And sometimes it takes one leaving the faith before you truly appreciate the, the things you've left. And that seems to be the case with our guest, Dan Gonzalez. Uh, Dan, his understanding of the Mass brought him back to the church. And not only did that, but sent him on a 30-year project in which he's going to bring those insights to Catholic homes and non-Catholic homes around. And Dan Gonzalez is a revert to the Catholic faith. He's the creator of the Mass Explained app and the author of the book that's going to be coming out called The Mass Explained. You can check it out at massexplained.com. And I highly recommend you do because it's a beautiful, beautiful book. And Dan, uh, welcome to Crest in the Afternoon. Hey, Gary. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's great to have you on the show. Um, I guess we should probably start at the beginning. Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey of the faith. You, you grew up in a Catholic home? I did. I'm a first-generation American. Uh, my parents are Cuban. They fl- fled Cuba in the 1950s, early 60s, uh, fleeing communism, Fidel Castro's communism. And mm-hmm. I was born in Miami, Florida. And it was me and my brother and my mom uh, took us to Mass every Sunday, and we did our first communion, our confirmation. Uh, but at that time, at that age, I really wasn't too interested in my faith. Uh, my my biggest passion was Miami Dolphins football, and the person that I worshipped the most was Dan Marino at that time. So um, that was pretty much my my uh, youth growing up as far as in the church goes. I mean, we went to CCD, we did everything, but it was just not top of mind. I had other interests at the time, and... Uh, just my my faith journey was not uh, a big thing to me at that time. It wasn't until I went to college that I get it, that I got more interested into my faith. Um, I, moving up from Miami, I had never seen snow, so I went up to school in New England in Providence, Rhode Island, and um, I remember drawing open the curtains and seeing my first snowfall ever, and uh, <laughs> the green was all covered in white. And I ran down just to play in the snow, and I saw a whole bunch of other kids playing in the snow. And I could tell that they had never seen snow either because I knew the guy that was from Puerto Rico, the other guy from Trinidad, and we were all snow virgins. I never had seen snow, and we were just frolicking and playing in the snow. And somebody threw a snowball at my head, and uh, when you, I guess when you pack snow tight enough, it turns into ice. And it hit me on the head, and I got knocked out. Oh, wow. And I woke up in the infirmary of the school, and I saw a poster that said, Bible study, 7 p.m., upper refectory. And I said, this might be something for me. So I saw that poster, and I, at the time I was still going to Mass. There was a, a chapel across, uh, across the way at the school, and I was going to Mass, but really it was just to appease my mother because she said, you better go to Mass when you're up in, in college. So I went every Sunday uh, just to appease her. But then I wanted to get more into my faith. So I started attending this non-denominational Bible study uh, group at, at school. Mm-hmm. And the leader of the group, um, he became my mentor. He became like a brother because we both had the same majors, and he was a year ahead of me. So he was kind of paving the way for me, telling me about the teachers, telling me about the assignments, what they liked, what they didn't like. And um, he became like a brother to me, closer than a brother to me. And um, I started, he invited me to go to his non-denominational church, which I did. And I stopped going to Mass, and I attended his church for several months. But something inside of me said that something was missing. 
like he once the 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 preacher went up and he gave his his sermon it was pretty much over it was you know have donuts and go home and i had a dream and the dream said the reason why you don't feel comfortable is because i'm not there in the flesh that's the only time i ever had a, a dream wow. like that and um i didn't exactly know what it meant uh, exactly so i went over the next day to to the chapel and there was a franciscan um that worked there and he gave me the the, the 101 on on the eucharist on the mass what it means and i was floored i couldn't i i I guess I've heard it, but I didn't understand what it meant at the time that I was hearing it in in CCD as a as a kid growing up. Mm-hmm. But um, anyways, I was at that point I started falling in love with the mass. I went back to my uh, to my my Bible study group and I told them I'm, I I need to go back to mass. And at that point they said I'm, I regret to inform you that you're anathema. Now at the time this was before smartphones and the internet. I didn't know what that word meant, so I had to go and look it up. <laughs> and it meant that you're damned, you're damned to hell. So I, right. so I said, wow, this mass thing is pretty important um, if it means that uh, I'm going to hell just because I'm attending it. So uh, that, at that point, I, we severed ways, and I, we kind of just became acquaintances rather than friends. And uh, I wanted to know about this mass. I wanted to know about this thing that, that has drawn such a, a line in the sand between me and them. Like, I go to mass, and I'm damned, but they... They they go to their non-denominational service and they're okay. It didn't make sense to me, so I wanted to learn as much as I could about this mass. And in 1993, that's what started my my journey to learn about the mass, learn as much as I could about the mass. And being uh, a graphic designer, I wanted to tell what I've what I've learned, but present it in a way that is appealing. There's many many books on the mass that are fantastic out there, but most of them are just text on a page and. In today's generation, with the, with the phones and and all of the apps and everything, people are very visual, and I wanted to present the information in a way that is appealing to this generation, and wouldn't that and would gloss over a book that's just you know great text on a page, but might be a little bit more attracted to something that's uh, dressed up in a way that they're more accustomed to seeing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so you're you're you were already graphically orientated because that was what you were heading it towards in college. So uh, was there any difficulty just uh, learning about the Mass just on print? Uh, did you find it as an obstacle that there wasn't something that gave visual presentations about the Mass? No, I had attended often enough a Mass to understand what they were saying. It, it yeah. was a little bit more difficult when they started naming the prayers, and I didn't actually know what they were. Like when they say the Collect or they say the Epiclesis, I, at the time, I didn't know what they were talking about, and some right. some some authors were written. Some of the books that I read were written at a level that was not a beginner level, so they would say these things assuming that the reader knew what they meant, and I didn't at the time know what they meant. So I would have to then, okay, I don't know what this word is. Let me go research it until I know what it is that they're talking about, and then I would continue on in the book. Other books are very very advanced. Um, there's a, a a series by Jungman, which is it's on the preconciliar mass, but he goes into the the Greek and the Aramaic, and and he offers no translation. He assumes you know these languages, and uh, it's it's very up there. But there's mm-hmm. many many books that are that are very excellent sources to learn about the mass. But I don't know of any of them that have images accompanying them. Yeah. So, um, so you started attending mass, and uh, 
I, I imagine with your your new insight, it it probably was a pretty powerful ex, uh, experience as opposed to like when you attended back with your mother. Yeah, when you, and I think it has to do a little bit with the at least when I was growing up and going through CCD, they were more concerned with memorization. Um, mm. This is how this is the Our Father, and I went learning it in Spanish. So this is how you say the Our Father. This is how you say the Hail Mary. This is what you do at this point. It was more about memorization than understanding what is happening. Uh, I, I, I don't yeah. know if, if CCD has changed um, you know, more recently, but like I said, when I was growing up, it was just about memorization. Know these prayers because Father is going to quiz you on it, and if you don't know it, you're going to get in trouble. So it really wasn't about what is the Mass, what's happening, um, how are we offering ourselves in the Mass. There was none of that. It was just memorization. Yeah, so um, I, I suppose as a graphic design artist, uh, did you start the project immediately on the book, or uh, was there some time before you thought, hey, I should put together a book with lots of graphics? It first started with research. I know that for my own personal edification, I wanted to know about the Mass. So the mm-hmm. first couple years was just learning what's going on at the Mass, reading book after book, taking classes at, at our local university, St. Thomas University, talking with priests, talking with deacons, trying to understand, getting a full grasp of what's happening at the Mass. And then afterwards I said, this is something that I wish I knew when I was in college. Why didn't I know this? And if I don't know, there may be other people that don't know as well. And I'd like to tell them, but I want to tell them in a way that they're going to read it and, um, and that it's going to resonate with them. So that's when I started putting together you know, the book and, and designing the pages and, and researching images and artwork, uh, things like that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's uh, and I was able to see some pages from the 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 book, and it truly is amazing. It's just really, really well done presentation. Um, so uh, you're putting. How long did it take for you to move from the research and to actually start compiling all of that? I say the the book, the actual designing of the book, happened within the last ten years. Uh-huh. And I'd say the beginning part was more of the research, um, outlining it, saying what I want to discuss in each chapter. There's 43 chapters in the book. Um, seeing how I want to distribute images. And then within the last 10 years, was actually getting into the computer. I used InDesign and Photoshop and you know, all the common tools um, to graphic designers. And, and designing the, the images, um, taking pictures of the mass, asking priests and deacons to allow me to take pictures. And that was really a... a a lot of the difficulties was in trying to get permission to take pictures, and then, and rightfully so, a priest would ask, "Well, what are you doing? What, why do you want this? You know, he's not just going to let me go in there willy-nilly and start taking pictures without knowing what are they destined for." Right. So, I had to, you know, explain to them uh, what it's going to be used for, show them samples of the pages, uh, just to make sure that they're okay with me using pictures, and then getting. Uh, the the usage rights they they would have to sign a release form um, for for me to legally use their picture inside of a book every every single person that's identifiable in the book had to sign a release form in order for me to legally use their image in the book even though they you know gave me a verbal okay I still needed to get legally a, a, a signature from each person so that took a, quite a while because um, there's over 1,700 images in the book. Not all of them are photographs. A lot of them are illustrations, uh, 3D renderings, things like that. But that took a long while, is getting usage rights to, to not only images, but also of artwork. 
because I say that I would think that the majority of the images are artwork uh, from medieval, from earlier times, uh, and getting you know usage rights to those also required some time. Yeah, which which is be- it's really great because the beauty of the mass is in the truth of what's being you know what's happening in the mass, but there's also that visual aspect of beauty too. So that you just don't get with print. Uh, I hear the music coming up. We'll hit pause right there. I'm chatting with Dan Gonzalez, talking about his book, The Mass Explained. More to come right after this. you listen to Crest in the Afternoon. back, everybody. Cresta in the afternoon. I'm Gary Machuda sitting in for El Cresta. We're chatting with Dan Gonzalez, the author of The Mass Explained. And you can check out the book at massexplained.com. And Dan, um, you know, it occurred to me during the break that here you're a graphic design artist. You've done all this research. So you're in the book, you're giving the truth about the mass. But you're also exposing the reader to the beauty of the mass, the visual beauty. Now, as an author, one of the toughest things to do is to figure out what to put, what not to take out of the book. You know, you always uh, you always want to put everything in. Uh, how did you work through that? Because obviously, it must have been twice as hard for you because you had to do that both with your words and also with all the uh, pictures and, and other things. That definitely was a challenge because the mass is so deep that you can uh, you can write about the mass in a in a page or you can write about the mass in several volumes. Yeah. Um, it depends on how deep you want to go, and that was one of the challenges that I faced. I I was I was reading something, I was learning about, it, and I go, oh wow, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting too. Oh, that's interesting too, and you want to include everything, but in order to solve the problem, I came up with a a visual solution. Is that I have in the book um, the main the main text in the center, which is is linear. It, it begins, you know, at the entrance procession, and goes all the way to the end of the mass. And you can read it just that middle section that way. But on the on the edge of the page, I have two sidebars, and these two sidebars have these little uh, ancillary fun facts. You might want to call them, you know, these additional information that it's not necessary to read, but mm-hmm. they're there in case you are wanting to learn uh, little tidbits about certain things. And I'll give you an example of a few of them. The first one is in the uh, chapter on the entrance procession. I talk about the entrance song. And today, uh, the one that's intoned from parish to parish can change depending on the whims of the either the priest, the celebrant, or the music director, whatever entrance song they like to use, um, they can use it. But uh, back you know, in the preconciliar mass, you had the introit, and that introit was fixed. Each day had its own specific intro it and they were so impressive that that day on the liturgical calendar was named after the first few words of the intro it it sounds strange to us but we do that also like with prayers for example the hail, hail mary is called the hail mary because the, it begins hail mary the same thing with the our father and the glory be they're named after the first words and it, it, the intro was such a powerful thing that the the day on that calendar was named after its first few words so for example the um 
the fourth Sunday of Lent is Letare Sunday, and it's from the introit that begins Letare Jerusalem, or Rejoice Jerusalem. And mm. the introit for the Masses of the Dead begins with Requiem Eternum, Eternal Rest, Grant Them, O Lord. So Masses of the Dead are known as Requiems because of the first words of the introit. Now, one of the interesting parts is that the second Sunday of Easter um, is, is the introit begins with just as newborn infants, and in Latin it's quasi modo geniti infantis. Now, I'm going to read this to you right from the sidebar of the book. It says, The words were borrowed by Victor Hugo as the name of his tragic hero in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. The abandoned infant was left at the doorsteps of Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris on the second Sunday of Easter and was named quasi modo in commemoration of the day he was found. So I thought it was interesting. I included <laughs> it in the book. <laughs> yeah. And again, you can read that, and it's an interesting factoid. It's water cooler information, if you wish. But it's in there, and, and you can read it, and, and there's 552 pages of ancillary information. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, because the the prayers, the name of the prayer is usually the first couple of words. Same thing with papal documents, too. You know, like Gaudium yep. Expes is the, the first mm-hmm. line of... Uh, uh, the document, but I I never heard the, the, the Quasimodo thing. I always wondered where. I just figured that must have been a really old name or something. But it's actually from the mass. Yeah, it's Quasimodo Geniti Infantis. And since I speak Spanish and Latin is is a, a Latin language, mm-hmm. it's Casi Como, just as Casi Como Quasimodo. So it, it to mm-hmm. me it makes more sense um, because I speak Spanish and that happens. Uh, speaking Spanish is really bi- a big plus. And so I'm not, I'm not up on my Latin 100. percent I can mm-hmm. kind of read it and and translate it into Spanish and and grasp it a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely helpful. Um, so uh, so the it has the, the mass. You you have the uh, the whole of the mass from beginning to end. I take it, and the and then the, the ancillary yeah. stuff. Yeah, it, it's it's. It's very linear. It obviously begins at the beginning um, and goes through to the end, and it has all these ancillary goes. But it's it's it it's really deep. It's not it's not a an overview of the mass. It goes into each of the four Eucharistic prayers. It goes into the origins of them. It goes into the, their scriptural origins. The it, it goes pretty deep. It's uh, seven. It's uh, five hundred fifty-two pages. So it goes pretty deep into that, and it has at the end of each chapter it has review questions, and has reflection questions for for group study. So I have it, you know, with an eye on it being used in small groups and parishes as a way of learning more about the mass. And the 43 chapters, um, there's 52 weeks in a year. So if, if you, you know, leave off a few for for vacations and things, it's a, it's a good way of of reading the book is reading one chapter and then going to mass and then seeing how what you learned in that one chapter affected the way that you participated in Mass. And yeah. then, you know, with your group or on your own self-guided study, read the next chapter and then go to Mass and see how that changes um, your worship. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fantastic for uh, OCIA and, you know, catechesis. Um, yeah, because I'm familiar with the, with the, um, the, uh, the, the Old Mass, the Latin Mass, there were some pictorial books out, in fact, uh, quite a bit, you know, with uh, with the old rite, but with the, uh, with the new mass, um, not so much, you know. And so it, that's awesome that you go into depth. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the process, because from what I understand, 
uh, you are almost at the very end, getting ready to go to print. Yes, um, I got the book ready. It's uh, I use a program called Adobe InDesign. It's ready to go. Um, uh, it needs to be funded. The printing needs to be funded, and printing a 552-page full-color book is quite expensive. <laughs> so what I did is I've turned my attention to Kickstarter, and Kickstarter is a crowdfunding uh, website that you present a project, and then people can pre-order the book. It's different. It's not. It's not a GoFundMe. It's not a I, that I'm asking for donations or contributions. It's a, a pre-sale of the book. So if you get enough pre-sales, then you can fund your printing and then fulfill all of those pre-sale orders. So basically, I'm using the money ahead of time of people pre-selling the book so I can fund the printing. Oh, okay, yeah. So, um, so is do you still have any more to do? Is is there any final determinations before uh, it ultimately goes no. to print? The um. I, I submitted it to my archbishop, who read it, and he granted it a Neil Obstat and an imprimatur. So mm-hmm. it's free from any type of doctrine or moral errors. Um, I had to submit it to the USCCB and ISIL, which is the International Commission of English on the Liturgy. Since I quote from the New American Bible, Revised Edition, from the Catechism, from the Order of Mass, from the General Instruction of the Roman Missal, um, they're the ones that control those documents. So you can't just, you know, use them in a book. You have to present it to them. They have to make sure that you're quoting them correctly, that you're not taking them out of context. So, yeah, this had to be reviewed by several uh, governing bodies and had to give their approval on it before I sure. could go to press. But I have all all the pedigrees in place. Um, the files are ready to go, and it's just a question of getting the, the Kickstarter campaign up and running. Mm-hmm. And what I'm doing is I'm taking, um, if you go to the website, you can sign up, and then I'll be in contact with you to announce when the Kickstarter campaign will be open um, so people can pre-order the book, and hopefully we hit the mark because um, you have to you know, present what, it, what is your goal, what is your economic goal for this Kickstarter campaign. And once it reaches that goal, um, you're awarded the funds. But it, Kickstarter is all or nothing. So if you miss your goal, then there's no funds collected and, and nothing happens. Hmm. That's okay. why it's important for you to get in contact with the people beforehand, before the Kickstarter campaign opens, to make sure that, that they're aware of it and that they can pre-order the book because the the campaigns are only open for 30 days. Gotcha. Now, I imagine it's tough. I mean, it's a big book, and it has a lot of graphics, so there's probably a lot of details that the average author or uh, publisher wouldn't run into, like what kind of paper to use, whether it's glossy or not. Uh, was that a difficult process to go through? It was because uh, these small decisions, like let's say I want a little bit thicker paper, okay, but that's going to impact the size of the spine of the book, which is going to impact how heavy the book is, which is going to impact how much it costs to ship the book to a customer. But if you make the paper too thin, since these are big images on, on the page, you know, beautiful renderings of, of Renaissance paintings and things, if you have two of them that are back-to-back on opposite pages, if it's too thin, you'll be able to see the bleed-through of, of mm-hmm. the back page to the front page. So all of these have to be taken into consideration while you're designing it. You, there has to be a balance between it looking good, looking professional, looking you know, worthy, but at the same time not going over the top and, and that it becomes this, this huge... Uh, 
book where the spine is, you know, two and a half inches and, and it costs too much to, to ship right. and too, too much to produce. So you have to find the balance. And hopefully what I'll be doing is once people sign up at the website, I will be uh, taking them along my journey towards publication. And I'll presenting, I'll be very open with them saying, here are two options of paper. Here is the options that we have for binding. What do you guys think? And see hmm. what what the people think. Wow! Yeah, that's awesome. So, so in a way, they contribute to the end project as well. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's that's beautiful. Was there anything while putting the book together? Was anything surprise you that you didn't realize until you were actually in the project, putting everything, all the pieces together, so to speak? Um. As far as the the math, no. Because I, I had, by the time I started putting the pieces together, I was pretty sure about what it is that I was going to write about. Mm-hmm. But in the process, yes, um, there's some things that surprise me. That some people will be so kind and generous um, to see your project, to believe in your project, but more than believe in your project, believe in you. And mm-hmm. they turn the world upside down to help you. And to me, that is so heartwarming that a person that doesn't know me but really believes and, and thinks that my project can help people and they just go to bat and they do whatever they, they can do to help me. And it's just overwhelming, you know, the kindness of strangers, they, they say. Uh, and that I've experienced that time and time again with this project. That some, some people, they just get it, they see it, and they just go above and beyond uh, to help. Yeah, and I'm sure that's just overflows from the love of the Mass and the Eucharist and wanting to be able to put something beautiful for the Lord, you know. And 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 that's it's so great that God called you to do this project, too, because, uh, you know, this is something that's going to help a lot of people. So uh, bef- before we uh, the segment ends, what again, uh, where do people go to view the book and uh, maybe even pre-order? Yeah, if they go to massexplained.com, there's gonna you'll see a bunch of pictures of the book. You'll see a, an intro video, um, a two-minute intro video explaining the the book, showing you pages, um, and then there's a, a button for you to sign up. And once you enter your email and sign up, I'll be in contact with you, and I will take you on this journey towards publication. And I'll be asking for your help, and I'll be asking for your opinion on certain things uh, in regards to the book. All right. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on Crest in the Afternoon. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Gary. All right. That's Dan Gonzalez, massexplained.com. <laughs> 